0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, party animals! What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Tuesday's Fantasy NBA Today, a HoopBall presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris, and we are picking up where we left off today. In fact, we might be kind of finishing out the remaining 20 Yahoo! pre-rank slots and then going through and making some overall distinctions on it. We also, of course, have some playoff action to recap and a little preview of of the game coming up this evening and that has kind of been our formula here the last handful of uh, fantasy nba today shows we're almost for folks that really enjoy themselves we're almost into the team breakdown portion of the off season so we're not too far away from that bad boy i did mention and i hope that some of you guys uh continue to reach out my way if you're uh Interested in getting involved in podcasting. On yesterday's pod, uh, I mentioned that we're looking for people at HoopBall that just want to get involved in broadcasting in some capacity. Podcasting, really. And it doesn't even need to be sports. So I'll throw that back out there again today. The best way to do that is to hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Just write the note. uh, Hey, Dan, interested in podcasting. That's it. And we can go from there. If you don't have social media, you can email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. And with the same thing, subject line is uh, interested in podcasting. And uh, we'll just roll with it from that point. So, easy peasy, as they say. Also, didn't do any promos for our sponsors on yesterday's show. So, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Manscaped.com. Promo code there is HoopBall20. Get 20% off and free shipping on your order at Manscaped.com. Lots of good stuff. By the way, they are 100% sold out. Of the Ultra Smooth Package. Can't get that anymore. But they do have the Performance Package 4.0. If you're interested in saving a bundle by packaging some things together. The lawnmower 4.0 is the brand new iteration of the lawnmower. They also have the uh, three-blade razor. That's called the Crop Shaver. That's relatively new. The Plow, which is a single-blade razor. The Shears Luxury Nail Kit. Weed Whacker and Electric Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Along with many uh, colognes, lotions, shaving creams, t-shirts, boxes, all that cool stuff. That's at Manscaped.com. Check them out post-haste. Again, using coupon code HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. And now, I've done my part. Sorry, Manscaped. I didn't get you in there on yesterday's show. But we gave you a little bonus run here on today's action. So, I think they'll be okay with it. I think they'll be okay with it. So, Uh, Normally, we start the show by talking playoffs. Maybe we'll flip it on its head today. Why the hell not, right? I think most people are... Actually, I really don't know. Maybe I should do a a Twitter poll of it. I have no idea if folks at this time of the year prefer the part where I talk about what's actually happening in the NBA or the part where I'm deep-diving fantasy basketball stuff. But we're going to go deep-dive fantasy basketball first on today's episode. And if you don't like it, you're, you're sort of screwed at this point. Really excited about a few things we actually have in the wings here at Ball that uh, haven't yet been revealed on the pod, but we'll get around to that at some point. So, yesterday's show, we left off with pick 80, or pre-rank 80, I guess I should say, on Yahoo. That was Julius Randle. I'm going to give you the final 20 names in a row here, and this is all a little bit fudged because Yahoo's ADPs on these guys, preseason ranks on these dudes, moved so much the final two weeks that these 20 names, I don't know if even half of these guys were in this same zone two weeks before they sort of put the stamp on it, but this is where we're at. So uh, pick 81 through 100. Here's 20 names in a row. Danilo Gallinari, Al Horford, Victor Oladipo, Mikel Bridges, Aaron Gordon, Mike Conley, O.G. Ananobi, Brooke Lopez, Ricky Rubio, Brandon Clark, Kemba Walker, Rashawn Holmes, Blake Griffin, Markel Fultz, Jeremy Grant, Davis Bertans, Tyler Hero, Marvin Bagley III, Devonte Graham, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. So, what we had been doing, and I see no reason to break this up into two groups, but I do feel the need to maybe set a new barrier to value. So, again, to those that missed our show on Thursday or yesterday's or some combination of the two, and, yes, I did say Thursday and yesterday because Friday we talked only playoff basketball, what we were doing with these players on the Yahoo pre-ranked sheet, or uh, I was going to say sheet and chart, and you guys know where that ended up just a second ago, what we were doing was making a uh, kind of a ballpark assessment. So in the top 20 really 24, because we're going to be talking two rounds when you actually get there. The first two rounds in a draft, you're mainly going for guys that are durable. It's really simple. And and we can... And I want to recap some of this when we get through the last of this top 100, but I, I feel like I need to talk about it right now, so come along with me on this adventure. The reason durability is such a critical element. And we're going to look at totals on this front is that the guys in the top 24 that played most of their games tended to be the guys who were ranked well. It's fairly straightforward. It's not a one-to-one correlation because Luca played most of his games, uh, but missed like, what did he miss about 10 games this year? Something in that neck of the woods. So Even then, I think you call it durable. Still, he was going at number two, and that was never a a situation. So let me add a qualifier. The things you're looking for in the first two rounds are guys that belong generally in the first two rounds or close to it, but mostly durable. So if you were to pick out the first round before this season began and thought, who are the guys that I think are going to make it through this season? Largely unscathed, but also belong in the general area they're being drafted. In the first round, I would have said James Harden, who ultimately did actually miss a number of games, so that would have been wrong. I would have said Steph Curry. That would have been right. Nikola Jokic, that would have been right. Damian Lillard would have been right. Uh, I would have said Trey Young, and that would have been wrong, not because he missed a ton of ball games, He did miss a handful for that sprained ankle late, but because he just wasn't as good last year. And that would have been my list probably inside the top 10. The 11 through 20 range, I would have said Jason Tatum is going to be very durable and be near this marker, Uh, I would have said Bradley Beal was going to be super durable and near this marker. I would have said Bam Adebayo. Uh, Paul George, I would have said, but that would have been wrong. And uh, I would have thought DeAndre Ayton, although to his credit, he wasn't good enough per game, but he was super durable. But as you get past that area... And you could still, I mean, you could stretch it out to 30 if you really wanted to. But once you get into that 21 through 30 range, you're actually starting to look for guys that you think could be better than their ADP, even on a per game basis. So that would have been a guy like Kyrie Irving, where that sort of outweighed the durability issues. Yeah, he missed a bunch of ball games, but he was so freaking good on a per game basis that it didn't matter. Nikola Vucevic was likely to be better than 29 on a per-game basis. He actually happened to be durable on top of that, so he was better. Rudy Gobert was probably going to be a little bit better than 28. Not by much, but he was also durable, so he knocked it out of the park. And there's that shifting in theme somewhere in the 24, somewhere in the 20 to 40 range where you're, looking, where you're chasing a bit more upside, along with some durability, but it doesn't need to be quite as large of an asset. At least as it does super early on. I mean, honest to goodness, uh, if I could go back, I think I would have applied some of these tactics a little bit more strongly. Like, I, I didn't draft Kevin Durant anywhere. He was too terrifying for me. Same story for LeBron James. Same story in the first round uh, for Luca because I didn't think he belonged there. Giannis, I didn't think he belonged there. But there were, I think, more names here that we probably could have eliminated or really guys that we could have targeted a bit harder just because of the durability factor. Do they belong and can they play? But okay, then we got, and we're just taking a little bit of a, a <laughs> journey through all of this stuff. The, uh, after you get to that, third round-ish where things are beginning to flip a little what we've been doing on this podcast is looking at that each chunk of 10 with its own goal in mind so the 31 through 40 guys, I said, hey, let's analyze these guys by how many of these dudes could actually be top 30, meaning just beat their ADP type of guys and I thought Pascal Siakam Chris Paul, Yusuf Nurkic Freddie Van Vliet Brandon Ingram, those were kind of the only guys in that chunk. And yes, not surprisingly, that chunk turned out to do quite poorly because Yahoo had a bunch of guys in there that sort of didn't really belong. But as we worked through it, and I I put a similar threshold up for the next 10. I think we might have even said top 40 for that range, just giving them a little bit of, of wiggle room. The 40 through 50 guys, same thing. Like, can these guys be inside the top 40? We need to be shooting ahead of where they're ranked. So that's the only reason that I would even consider breaking up the 80 through 90 and the 90 through 100 chunks here is because we want to make sure we're setting the right barriers to success or the right goalposts is probably a better term for it. So that said, very long side note pushed back to the side where it belonged. I don't think we need to do that with 80 through 100. Once you get past pick 75... You should really only be drafting guys that you think have a shot at top 75. That's it on a per-game basis. Everything else on top of that, and this is mostly a roto technique, but it also applies in head-to-head, I think. Head-to-head, there's some viability to some durable guys, but you can generally stream roster slots anyway. Roto, you're contending with a games-played cap, so it's not as relevant. We've talked about that many times, so I'm not going to go down that path again on this one. So with that in mind, I I do think that we're looking the top 75 barrier is a little bit arbitrary, but it, it's it's probably worthwhile because that's a point at which you start to get positive impact out of your guys. So that list now, 81 through 90, Gallo, no. Horford, yeah. I would have put him in the yes category. Oladipo, I actually probably would have put him in the yes category, although ultimately he was number 94 by per game basis. I'd have been wrong, but anyway. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, yeah, that was an easy top 75 kind of guy, so that was a definite thumbs up. Aaron Gordon, uh, I was actually leaning a little bit towards yes after what we saw him do post-All-Star break last year, and that one obviously turned out to be quite wrong as well, although my intentions were good. Is that worth anything to you people? I don't know why I came off sounding like Seinfeld there. Well, suffice it to say, Uh, I thought there was some upside in there. It didn't turn out to be there, uh, but I'll just take the L on that one. So I'm going to say yes, I thought there was top 75 upside. I didn't go that route in very many spots. I think I only drafted Gordon in one head-to-head league thinking he could sort of power boost some of my counting stats while my team could absorb it if the percentages weren't as good. I thought maybe there was a shot. You'd see some improvement on the... The field goal percent, even if the free throw percent wasn't, but whatever. You catch my meaning, it didn't turn out to be a thing. So uh, that's an L right there as well. Mike Conley, I figured, was a yes, top 75. OG Ananobi was a yes for top 75. Brooke Lopez, I thought so. He ended up actually uh, 81, so just outside of the top 75. So uh, that one's probably still a win. Ricky Rubio, I was leaning towards no this year. I ended up picking him up in a bunch of spots because he played... A good portion of the season without D'Angelo Russell, but when Russell was healthy, Rubio was not functional early in the year. Brandon Clark, I would have thought, yes, that was a mess. That one turned out to be a mess. Kemba Walker was hurt, and the the answer to could he be top seventy five is yes, but the answer would to generally would we draft him was general was most of the time no. Although, like I said, I did bungle my way into him a couple of times, and and so we just sort of had to be okay with that uh, risk in a few roto spots. And as it turned out, it probably wasn't that great of an idea. So uh, again, you kind of take the good with the bad on that one. And while he went, I would argue, almost as well as he could possibly go, it still wasn't good enough because he finished right around top 120 by totals. And that's largely just missing the first few weeks and then taking the back-to-backs off. That's really all it took to drop him that far, despite a per game number that was around 60. So, really, not bad on a per game basis when you consider there was the ramp up period. Once he was at full tilt, he was basically the top 50 guy the rest of the way. He just didn't play that many games. Yet another reason why we don't draft injured players. Even when it's working out well, seemingly, it's actually not that good. <laughs> It's funny, as you have these guys, Kristaps Porzingis, Kemba Walker, guys of that nature, as you have them on your team, it actually doesn't feel that messy, like you're getting these okay per-game numbers from them when they're playing, and it's it's working out all right, but ultimately, it's actually a net negative. You want to leave that stuff alone as best you can. Anyway, Rashawn Holmes, uh, he was a definite yes on this one. Blake Griffin was a no uh, although he did end up playing better once he got traded to Brooklyn, but that was a, a pretty heavy pill to swallow. Markel Fals was a no, whether or not his, uh, he blew out his leg. That was his fantasy game just wasn't translating last year. Jeremy Grant was a yes. Davis Bertans, I was generally out on Bertans. I know a lot of folks at Hoop Ball were in, so that's one where I was on the right side of the ledger. Tyler Hero was a no. Marvin Bagley, a no. Devontae Graham, no. Bogdan Bogdanovich. I would have had him as a no, although he did end up actually going at a top 45 clip. He just didn't play that many ballgames, and so he ended up, uh, by totals, getting pretty close to his ADP. So he, by all accounts, was a pretty good roto pick over the course of this year. You just had to weather a very serious storm to get there. And so... As we now finally hit the tail end of this 100 list, a few things I think pull into focus. First, these last 20, the uh, 81 through 90 range, they actually did pretty well. Yahoo did pretty well. The average miss size was 40, which I know doesn't sound like much, but there are going to be some really big whiffs in there. And that was an absolute value number. The actual average miss size on by averages if you're just taking it without the absolute value was only negative 7.6 so the the pluses and the minus kind of canceled each other out but really if you're looking at the per game stuff there were a lot of hits in that 81 through 90 range kind of no matter where you were looking at it uh al horford was a hit on a per game basis he was a troublesome well i mean they shut him down so you just got to drop him in head to head so he was actually useful for the time that he was out on the court i would argue he was basically a hit mikhail bridges was a massive hit mike conley was a big hit even with the missed games uh og ananobi fell back because of missed games but on on a per game basis he was a big hit brooke lopez was a a medium-sized hit and that's a lot really in the 81 to 90 range guys that are kind of blowing their their numbers out of the water and then there were some relatively close ones and really only Aaron Gordon was the sort of wet fart in that 10 spot where the 91 to 100 range there were a lot of big misses in there Blake Griffin didn't belong Markel Fultz didn't belong Marvin Bagley didn't belong Tyler Hero didn't belong I thought Devontae Graham didn't belong. he ended up actually playing a little better than I thought he would but he still didn't hit his mark so it, I can't in good faith, say he didn't belong there. And then Rashawn Holmes was was way undervalued, but that was sort of a different discussion point. So first of all, I think our technique actually does pretty well to say, oh, well, hey, this 81 to 90 range, how many of these guys could be a top 75-er this year? And it was Horford, Oladipo, Bridges, Gordon, Conley, Ananobi, Lopez, Clark, seven out of 10 in the 81 through 90 range is pretty good. And sure enough, that was actually relatively well struck. But what about the 91 hundred range? How many of those guys could be top 75 on a per game basis? Kemba, Rashawn, Jeremy Grant. Yeah, that's it. And then Bogdan actually made it in there, but he wasn't going to be on my list anyway. So only three, I thought. Uh, and sure enough, the miss size was substantial. That The miss size over that 10 picks was, was close to 70 as opposed to 40 on the previous one, and it was up near 60 in the 71 to 80 chunk that we talked about at the end of yesterday's podcast. So it's rudimentary to be sure, but one of my main goals in this podcast, and you guys know this, one of my main goals is simplifying the process, understanding how to build a good fantasy team, without having to spend 9,000 hours building a good fantasy team. This is a really quick way to take Yahoo's list and just yank out the stuff you don't want. You're already going to know if their guys are going to hit in a particular range. But here's the other part. Because understanding what a chunk of 10 is doing is actually not that valuable from a can I apply this when I have 80 seconds to make a pick on draft night. Like you have pick 56, and you're in that, that 51 to 60 range where this most recent season, I'd have argued that a lot of those names actually were pretty damn good. And sure enough, there were a lot of really good hits in there. But that doesn't mean that this coming season, those areas are going to be really good. What I want us to do and it'll be a little bit tougher from an arithmetic standpoint, but, I mean, it just means the the numbers are not going to be as round, is I want, when Yahoo releases their preseason rankings for next year, this coming season, uh, 2021 to 22, which, by the way, starting on time again, so that's pretty cool, when they come out with those numbers, I want us to go through their list before the season starts, and say, how do we think this group of 12 is going to go? I want We'll do it in actual round sizes for next year. How's the first 12 look? Do we have 9, 10 good-looking names, or do we have 8? Do we have 11 good-looking names? What about round 3? 25 through 36. How many good-looking names are in there, guys, that we think can be in that? And you could break it down by 10s. I don't really care. The reason I think it might be useful or simpler for us to use it as a strategy is if you see on your list or when i say your list i sort of mean the list you're going to be functioning off of from yahoo if you see that say picks 37 through 48 on yahoo have like only six out of 12 guys you think could be top 40 type of per game performers You should be very ready to take your pick in that range. Let's say you have pick 42, so more or less smack dab in the middle. Be prepared to use that pick on someone elsewhere. This actually would have been extraordinarily useful for me to use as a strategy two years ago. I remember it so distinctly when I got stuck with an underperforming Julius Randle a couple seasons back. Uh, No, last year. This was last year. His first year in New York, not the last year in uh, New Orleans, where Randle finished at number 146 by averages. If I had looked, and I can go back and do it now, if we had looked at the 61 through 70 range last year, which was again, this is this is not this most recent completed season. This is two thousand this is the the pandemic shortened year. The the shutdown year. Horford, Brogdon, Isaac, Gallo, Jay Rich, Valanchunas, Randall, Bridges, Bryant, Ubre Jr. That was, by all accounts, uh, a very average performance from Yahoo. And it's hard for me to remember exactly the circumstances around this stuff. Horford was still in Philadelphia, so I think I thought he was going to be okay, that I thought he was going to be a top sort of 60-ish type of guy. Brogdon was a yes. Isaac was a yes. Gallo was a yes. Jay Rich was a no for me in Philadelphia. JV was a yes. Randall was a no going into the draft. Miles Bridges was a no. Thomas Bryant... Uh, I don't actually remember the circumstances around Thomas Bryant last year, pre-shutdown. Seen Washington already? I think he was a yes, and Ubre was a yes. Kelly Ubre, ah, eh, he was a question mark. He did. He ended up playing really well, but he was more of a question mark at that point. So pretty average. I was like, what, seven-ish, seven and a half out of ten. When you see that type of thing, and you have you obviously you too, you have to know the type of player you're going against as well. If you have a a round that's average in pre-ranks, be ready for the guys you're hunting for to be gone. Like if there's a round where everybody is hitting, you're probably going to get someone from that round that's hitting. The thing that drilled me in that group was that all the guys I was targeting were gone. And what I needed to do was to look at the next round and say, hey, who in the 71 through 80 range do I believe can be a top 50, top 60 kind of guy? And the list there was Gordon Hayward. Remember, this is uh, last year, so this is Boston Gordon Hayward. Uh, Larry Dance Jr. was a Maybe. Oladipo was coming off an injury, Joe Ingle. I mean, there was like, I really didn't think anybody in that group was particularly good. And this is probably why now I'm looking back and going, oh, this is why I got stuck with Julius Randle. Because the next chunk of 10 didn't have anybody I was targeting either. And it was the following group of uh, Hassan Whiteside in Portland, Demonis Sabonis, DeJounte Murray, Freddie Van Vliet, who overperformed. Nobody knew he was going to do quite that well. Jared Allen was likely to have an okay year. Ricky Rubio jeremy lamb so there were a handful of guys in that one i was reticent to go that far because i thought julius randall was going to be at least decent in new york and then he was terrible so i do think that this is something we can utilize meaning if you don't believe that a particular guy can hit his per game threshold forget totals Throw them out by pick sixty-five to seven. Not completely. I mean, you don't pick somebody who's injured to start the year, as per usual. But mostly throw out your durability concerns at this point. If they're starting the year healthy, just you know, cross your fingers and pray for the best. But you gotta be looking for the guy you believe can clear the ADP jump. It's hard though because that particular spot last year in Yahoo drafts, if you didn't get Jonas Valanciunas. It was a steep drop-off. You were going to go Kelly Oubre and get kind of lucky, Gordon Hayward, and hope he stays healthy, which he didn't, by the way, but he was good when he was out there. Or you're going way down the board. You're going to last year like a DeJounte Murray. Was that necessarily better to go two rounds deeper? Looking back, I would argue yes. What about this year if you don't get somebody? Is it good to go two rounds deeper? Well, hopefully you don't have to go that far. But there will be spots. There will be weird little pockets where guys are sucking. (laughs) Where there's just a lot of misses. Pick like 68 through mid-70s. There were a bunch of misses this year. So if your guys all got snapped up by pick 63, you might have had to go all the way down to pick like 82. Or pre-rank pick 82, or maybe Marcus Smart was floating around in there, even though he didn't end up hitting his marker. And anyway, we'll do this, we'll, we'll do this exercise next year. Don't worry, we'll, uh, we'll dive back into this thing. I have more thoughts on this stuff, but uh, we'll, we'll loop back around to that tomorrow. For now, uh, I want us to talk a little bit about what's going on in the NBA playoffs because we suddenly look smart as you-know-what on this show. First of all, yesterday's games, Philly blew a big lead late and lost to Atlanta. Uh, Joel Embiid is not right. He had 17 points. He had 21 rebounds, but he shot just four for 20 in the ball game. So if he's actually dinged up now, which he might be, that changes the entire complexion of the series. Because Atlanta didn't even play all that well. But guess what? Clint Capella didn't foul out. He played 35 minutes, and he looked good. He defended well. He, had, he went six for nine from the floor himself. It's a very different series. I know. I know. Embiid played 36 minutes, but he wasn't right. And these guys are all going to fight through it because it's the playoffs. But for our betting purposes, this is the kind of this is the, sort of the reason that I, not the only one, but I couldn't get a feel for pace. If he's in there not playing well and gumming things up like that, then you got to ride the under pretty much perpetually. We gave out the under as a strong lean on yesterday's show. It hit easily. Series tied 2-2. They go back to Philadelphia. Sixers still have home uh, court because they won a game in Atlanta, even things out a little bit, and now it's a best of three. Same deal with the late series, which we also gave out the under. This one hit if but barely. Clippers luckily went a little bit cold late. Jazz made a a run. ton of free throws almost pushed this game over the mark. Once again, 32 combined made three-pointers, not quite the 40 we were setting that high marker at. And now they go back to Utah, where the Clippers are going to need to get stuff out of role players. They got stuff out of Nick Batum in Game 3. They got stuff out of Marcus Morris here in Game 4. Kawhi Leonard banged his knee late in this ballgame. We'll see if that has any carryover effect. But it does seeming, at least on the surface, it looks like the Clippers have... Started to do a much better job, at least slowing down Utah's offense. I know the Jazz are going to bomb three pointers, and they sort of live and die by it a little bit, but they've done a nice job of slowing down Donovan Mitchell. Joe Ingles got hot. Bojan Bogdanovic was actually decent. Jordan Clarkson was bad. Th- this was the fear for me, is th- on the Utah side at least, is that if you're if you play the way they do, your role players are going to need to be good in four out of the seven games, like real good, because Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he got his 15 free throws, so that helped him buttress what was otherwise not a great shooting night. But we'll see. We'll see. This one, uh, from a a pace perspective, I think uh, probably could have been a little bit lower, even. Um, Clippers shooting 38 free throws was a big-time difference maker. So I just continue to lean under in both of these series, and I believe they both play on Wednesday. Did I say this was Wednesday's podcast? It's Tuesday's podcast. Ha! If I said that, I'm going to go back and change it, and you'll never know. Tonight, Milwaukee is in Brooklyn. The Bucks are favored by four. Kevin Durant versus the World. I want nothing to do with betting this ballgame. This has all the makings of someone popping off on the Brooklyn side, but is Milwaukee laser-focused enough to get the job done? I want nothing to do with betting it. Pass. Hard pass. <laughs> no qualms about it. Again, hit me up if you guys want to get involved on the podcast front. It does not have to be sports. You will be trained uh, possibly by me. We'll work together on the whole thing. Uh, really fun times for me and for all of us here at HoopBall as we branch out and the recruitment pitch is on. So uh, if you've been thinking about it, shoot me a line. I'm Dan Bespris for Fantasy NBA Today. Have a lovely Tuesday, see, I got it right this time. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. So long, buddy.